Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our Advent series uh, for 2023. Uh, we are uh, in a series, uh, we normally don't do that. We normally go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, but as we look at the birth of Christ today, uh, one of the things that we're doing in this series is to point you from the cradle to the cross. Uh, and so today we'll actually look at the promise of the birth of Christ from the Old Testament. We'll actually look at the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms that point to the prophecies that were fulfilled for the birth of Christ and also why Jesus came. So I hope that you enjoy today's teaching as we look at the promise of the birth of Christ from the Old Testament. Here's part one of this two-part study. Amen. So uh, Advent series, we, we, I just simply called it From the Cradle to the Cross. Today we're looking at the promise of the birth of Christ uh, from the Old Testament. And, and we are pulling, uh, we'll look at it in three points, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And we get that from uh, Luke chapter 24, verses uh, 44 through 45. And, and I love that verse because when you, when you see it, what you get is you get the uh, Jesus speaking to the disciples after the resurrection. And Jesus says to them, These are the words which I have spoke to you, which I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. So Jesus is going to, when he does that, he's saying, Hey, look, uh, I'm that type when it comes to the, uh, uh, the ark. I'm, I'm a type of that. Um, I was here. Uh, I, that, that prophecy was fulfilled. He just He's opening their understanding to show them that, hey, the whole Old Testament, everything points to my coming, to Jesus, and how important that is. But he goes on further in, in verses 46 and says this. That's okay. And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it, is, it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that this is the most important thing right here. And that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's the responsibility that we all have. That's what he gives us in Matthew chapter 
uh, 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am always with you to, even to the end of the age. Amen. So as we see, Jesus opened their understanding. He's telling them, hey, look, the whole purpose of me having this Bible study with you is so that you go out and you share Christ. They need to, there needs to be a remission of sin. There needs to be a repentance. See, Advent is fun, right? The cradle part, we all love a baby. At least some of us do. I don't like them until they start walking a little bit. I know most of the men are that way. It's like uh, when I'm a grandfather, they hand me the newborn. I'm like, here, get your picture. Because it's the last time I'm holding them until they start crawling around and moving. Once they can start interacting with me, I'm all in. Right? I'll hold them. But, you know, mamas, they love feeding the baby and changing the diapers and rocking the baby to sleep. They love all of that. Right? But when we think about the birth, the birth of Christ... Christ always pointed to the cross. In all of his teachings, he pointed to the cross. The prophecies that he was fulfilling was pointing to that he was the Messiah. And so when, when he tells them, hey, we finished Malachi last week, and in Malachi we saw a nation that was struggling, struggling. The nation of Israel was struggling. They had Levitical priests that were teaching things, they didn't know. They didn't know the, the commands. They were allowing sheep to be sacrificed that had blemishes, that were blind, that were stolen. And the people were taking advantage of it. They were given the better portions of the sacrifice to the governors, the corrupt politicians. And it seems that hasn't changed a bit, has it, today? And, and, and then you had the people. The people were being turned away by the Levitical priests. They were being turned away because they were like, they're, they're hypocrites. But what the, they didn't realize is that they were turning the foreigners away. Because the foreigners were saying, you're hypocrites. Because you don't love each other. You're treating each other treacherously. And not only that, you're marrying foreign women and you're worshiping. You're telling us that we should worship your God, but you're worshiping all these false gods. And then they had problems with marriages. They were dealing treacherously with each other in their marriage to the point of divorce. And yet they didn't see a problem. But we heard last week that there was a small remnant, a small remnant that turned and repented. Because he says, return to me, and they returned. And so when we looked at Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and even the messenger of the covenant... In whom you, you delight. Behold, he, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. He's talking about John the Baptist. And then Jesus come in the new covenant. And so what happens is you have a, a period of where they're waiting for the Messiah. And the, and, and the Lord goes silent. There's no more prophets. There's nobody else. For 400 years, it went quiet. And in those 400 years, it, it, even though it, it was silent to the nation of Israel, John the Baptist 
and the Messiah's preparations were being put in place. Those 400 years of silence, when we look at Malachi, Malachi was uh, the prophet, wrote the book sometime towards 430 B.C., and when he wrote the book, the Babylonian captivity was over. It had been some 40 years, and yet what happens is, is the Medo-Persian Empire had taken over. And all of that is covered in Daniel, the book of Daniel. I was telling the church this past week, there's over 135 prophecies, 135 prophecies fulfilled in the book of Daniel chapter 11 alone. 135. As you watch nation after nation, empire after empire fall, the Babylonian Empire, which is very familiar, it looks like America. We look a lot like the Babylonian Empire today. I'm just waiting for the handwriting to go on the wall and this whole thing come crumbling down. They were arrogant. The Babylonians thought, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and, and he had passed and his nephew was running the, uh, uh, was the, the assistant to the assistant of, of the empire. And he was like, they'll never come and take the, the city. And they forgot how smart the Medo-Persian Empire was. As the Euphrates River, they had a water source. They had food sources. They, had, they, could, they could withstand and stay inside their, their city for four years with food and water. And God said, tonight, because you tried to use the holy things during the orgy that was happening at the party. See, Daniel wasn't there. And the hand of God comes out. Your empire will end tonight. And the Medo-Persian Empire diverted the river, that's how smart they were, and walked right into where the water would have came in, and they killed everybody, and they took over that night. Well, Daniel prophesied about that. That was fulfilled. The Medo-Persian Empire was there until what happened? The Greek Empire comes along, right? Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was actually just a bookworm. He never really was a conqueror. He ne that wasn't his thing. He spent all of his time with Aristotle learning. His father's killed. Alexander the Great becomes the, the leader of the Greek Empire. And he takes over the world. And with all that power, Alexander the Great drinks himself to death. He wasn't happy. He had everything. But do you know that the, the time that he comes to Jerusalem, he has conquered every city, every nation, and he comes to Jerusalem, and the Levitical priests come out carrying the scroll of Daniel, and they read it to him. That that prophecy has now been fulfilled by Alexander the Great. That God had fulfilled that prophecy, and Alexander the Great had now taken over the world. But when he came to Jerusalem, he spared it. Because he said the hand of God is on Jerusalem, on the nation of Israel. And he actually gave them protection and security. He ends up getting killed. Or he drunk himself to death. There's different stories on that. But he was not happy when he died. He had conquered the world. He had everything. That's why you see people that will kill themselves. That are movie stars. Or, or they're, they, they, they're, they've been in rock bands and they've had it all. And they're not happy. And after the Greek Empire, what happens with the Greek Empire, you have the Hellenization of the world. And so now you have the Greek language, which is preparation for the gospel to go out. 
The Bible is written into the, uh, the Old Testament is written to the Greek Septuagint. And then Alexander the Great gets killed. And just like it says in Daniel, the nation's divided up in fours. A general for each portion. So four generals take over. And what are those generals supposed to do? They're supposed to maintain the world until Alexander the Great's son is old enough to take over power. Well, guess what men do when they have power? They don't want to give it up. So they killed his son. They killed the brother, and they killed the mom. And they took the power. Now, all of that's talked about in the, in the statue of, uh, of Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar has that vision. Each empire, to the detail, to the generals, up into actually when Antipius uh, Epiphanes actually goes in and does the abomination of desolation, the first one, and sacrifices a pig on the altar, the temple, which happens to be the Maccabean rebuilt, right? That's when the Jews said enough, and they decided to fight. And out of that, after the Maccabean revolt, that's when you get the the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when Jesus comes along, who does he get to, to attack? The religious. But eventually the Roman Empire comes. And you have the Pax Romana. And the Pax Romana actually creates the way for the gospel to go out through trade routes. And they, and they built roads. That's the 400 years of silence. All of this is set for the time that is just right for Jesus to come. It tells us in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his his son born of a woman, born under the law. The fullness of time, the perfect time of God is saying, I've set everything up, including the census. Like you think about it, Joseph has to go all the way to Bethlehem for the census and you would think Man, Lord, that's like over, like that just shows you who God is. Because he's like, I'm going to make Joseph go all the way to Bethlehem to have the baby. Uh, so Mary has the baby. And they're going to have to file, and there's going to be a census. I'm going to make the Roman Empire do a census. And then Joseph's going to have to go. And that's God. That's all God planning everything out to the detail. And when you look at the book of Daniel, you look at the rise and fall of these empires during this 400 years. It was exactly the way that it was written in the prophecy, and those prophecies were fulfilled. To the point where the theologians said there's no way that anybody could get that so correct that it had to be written after the fact. And that's not true. That's not true. There's plenty of evidence that the Bible is real. It's whether or not you're going to believe it. So when we look at this and we think about the fullness of time, we see that as we leave the book of Malachi, there's no prophet that came, right? There's nobody. Why? Because the, they weren't listening. The nation of Israel would do what? They would, they would listen, and then they were scattered. That, that was their MO. It's, and it's a lot, of, a lot of followers of Christ today. They'll follow for a little bit, and then they scatter. And then God has to get a hold of them. And bring them back. And that was the nation of Israel. They would be obedient for a time. And then they would get disobedient. And then a prophet would have to come. And then they would return. And sometimes they wouldn't return. 
and they would have to go into captivity. I mean, this was, this was their MO. And God is like, I'm sending my son in the fullness of time. It's time. And Jesus is coming. And so it was in the Bible the whole time, and yet they, they just didn't get it. The Levitical priests, the, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, uh, the scribes, the lawyers of the law, they missed it, and it was in the Bible. And so when you talk to people about whether or not Jesus is real, because there's not only evidence in the Bible, there's, there's recorded documents that he was real. And other historical documents. There's eyewitnesses. That's what makes up a lot of the testimony that we have of Jesus is the eyewitnesses. And, and so when we look at this, that's why I love that Jesus pulled the disciples aside and said, Hey, come here. I'm going to show you throughout the whole Old Testament my birth, the predictions of my birth, the predictions of what was going to happen at the cross. It was all there. It was all there. What's going to happen when I return? It's all there. Everything's there. Y'all need to wake up. And then you need to go out and you need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of Advent. That's the purpose of Easter. But that's the purpose of your walk every day. How many years of silence have you had where you haven't shared your testimony? How many months of silence have you had where you haven't shared your testimony? God saved you for a purpose. And, and, and we forget that part of it. It's weird because we always long for Christmas, right? Towards the end of the year, we're weary. We're tired. We're, we're, we're beat up. The year has worn us out for many people. And we long for Christmas because we long for peace. We long for the Prince of Peace, which is Jesus Christ. But we should be longing for him every day. When we look at our first point, we see the prophets. He, he shows us in Isaiah. We, we have the verse in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 through 14. It says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, oh, Hear, O Hear now, O house of David, is, is it a small thing for you uh, to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Ahaz was, uh, you know, was struggling, and, and he would have broken an alliance because he had made an alliance with another, with the Assyrians. And, and, and so because he had had that alliance, he was not being honest in, in what it was. And so they just, he just comes out and he says, hey, Isaiah just says, the house of David, I'm going to give you this prophecy of Emmanuel. Since you won't ask, since you won't ask, the Messiah will come. And, and in that, he says some things that are very important because he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that's probably the, the most quoted verse during the Advent season that we have. And that is written some 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years before the birth of Christ. And we have that in Matthew because Matthew quotes it. 
And I love the book of Isaiah because Isaiah is quoted some 21 times in the New Testament. But Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother was betrothed to Joseph, behold, uh, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Matthew points to that because he's like, hey, this virgin birth, she's found with child of what? The Holy Spirit. They even predict the place of the birth of Christ in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, that, that you are a little among the, the, among the thousands of Judah, yet out of, those, out of you shall come forth to me the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from, the, uh, from of old and from everlasting. And so he has them come to Bethlehem. And, and that's, again, the census is going to be, he's going to be sent to take the census. Joseph has to go to Bethlehem. And you're thinking, this is written in Micah, that God had this, he's all-knowing. He stands outside of time, it's his attributes. Like God's got it all planned out. And the fulfillment of that, and, and you know, that the, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. All because of the Roman census. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. You know what's funny is the, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. And what did Jesus say in John chapter 6, verse 35? And Jesus said to them, I am what? The bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He who, believe, he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We also know because, he was, because of his birth, Herod wanted to destroy the seed. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, it says, This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah mourning and great weeping, and Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And we know that's covered in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. He gave orders to kill all boys in Bethlehem and in the vicinity who were two years old and under than what was said though the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. That's probably the saddest portion of the Advent teachings is that verse that Herod wanted to hang on to power so much that he was willing to, to try to kill any child under two years old that was male. And he did. That's why Joseph gets the dream to say, hey, Joseph gets that dream, go to Egypt, go to Egypt. And he leaves that night. God's in control. We know that he would be called out of Egypt. It's in Hosea 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And that goes back to Matthew chapter 2. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son so we see throughout the the uh the prophets we see that there was just prophecy after prophecy that was fulfilled proof evidence that was fulfilled you had the law of moses and the law of moses is simply the first five books of the bible it's uh the hebrew uh word for law is torah it's also known as the Pentateuch uh, for, the, for the Greek uh, Septuagint. But we have the promised seed in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman 
and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then we also know that in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, we have the same word that's used there. In your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice in your seed. And I love that because it, it's, again, Paul uses and recognizes that and uses it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, now to Abraham and his seed were promises uh, made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. It's the one word, the seed who is Christ. The promise from Genesis 3.15 through Abram, right, and carried on. Abram had the promise that was fulfilled and is still being fulfilled as the nation grows, right? As the uh, descendants are as far as the, the eye can see. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curse you and in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But Abram also, you know, we see that, that Abram's listed in, in Matthew's genealogy. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light and you'll find it. 